still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another preview edition episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa and 2000 national champ, former wide receiver for the Sooners, rocking number 13, Mr. D-Mac. And Damian Mackey, we got ourselves another guest here tonight to help us preview the upcoming game against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Who do we have in the house this evening, brother? Got my little bro, man. I'm super excited to have him on again. We had a blast the last time he was on. He's making a name for himself. He's a legacy, by the way. He, His pops and I were good friends in college. Um and he, he's doing his thing, man. Proud of what he's doing. Proud of who he is as a young black man in this world, becoming an entrepreneur and becoming a face in the Sooner community. Give it up for none other than my little bro, Jalen Ross. What's up, Jay? You good, little bro? I'm doing well. I appreciate it. You guys always come with the good intros. <laughs> <laughs> my intros usually suck. My intros are like, yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> they're, they're good. They're not bad. It yeah, is good. Barry, Barry gets the credit for that. Barry gets all the credit yeah, for that. I guess. Jalen, it is good to have you on, man, because as everybody knows, um, you know, D-Max out in Cali, right? Soaking up the sunshine. I'm up here in Tulsa doing my thing. You are about as close to boots on the ground as uh, as you can get. So if we're talking about doing a little bit of recon. For, for the fans who aren't there in Norman, they aren't there ingrained with the team, that they're not there kind of seeing and knowing the day-to-day, uh, what is going on down there in Norman? They're coming off the loss to Baylor, 38-35, close game. Defense, offense, both had their moments, but the, the Sooners fall short again. Uh, where is this team at right now? You know, it's... So I don't want to sound like I'm like pumping sunshine or anything, but this is a team that they they haven't given up. They're not quitting. I mean, this this season obviously hasn't gone the way that anybody in that facility expected. Um, and I actually got to hear from a player uh, Sunday night, like the day after the game, and he was talking about how you know uh, the season hasn't gone the way we wanted, but like we're not we're not. You know, our biggest thing has been just don't give in, you know, keep fighting, uh, fight every week. And I mean, you get like you you see it now. You you really you really just see that, that this is all the more proof that it's a rebuild and things are going to take time because um, I mean, it's a group that likes each other. It's not like their their you know, mistakes are coming from the fact that, you know, they don't have chemistry and. You know, there's a lot of finger pointing and stuff like that. None of that's happening. It's just, you know, they're not used to what to what's happening. I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, that defense really hasn't even cracked the surface of, you know, what's expected of them uh, having Brent Venables in that room. But they just haven't been able to adjust to it. I mean, it's, it's simple things like, you know, where you're supposed to line up and, you know, where you're supposed to be fitting in the run and all that stuff. I mean, it's simple mistakes like that. And, um you know, I mean, that's really just been my whole thing this weekend was like, 
you know, I've, I accepted a long time ago that it's going to be a minute before we're really back to what we're used to, where we're just, you know, pumping Big 12 championships out of the facility because, I mean, you've got to take time to get guys in here and, you know, learn defenses and all that. And, uh, you know, I read something the other day that was talking about how, you know, the defense wasn't really used to coming in and watching film on the weekends after games or, you know, they didn't have a – I don't know how true that report is about them not having a scouting report and stuff like that under Grinch. But, you know, under this new regime, there's a lot more required of them. There's a lot more mm. mentally that's required of them. And they're just not used to it because it was the same thing I said a couple of weeks ago when I think it was after the Texas game. I said something about how, you know, the practices – fall camp all that stuff like they were going hard and they weren't used to that physicality it took time for them to get used to it and as they got into the season they just got tired like they they need i'll tell you this they truly needed that bye week and i think i talked to you about this on the iowa state preview barry about how like i was talking to some guys during the bye week and they were like they were thankful to have that bye week because they finally got a chance to get away from it refocus and they came out uh, against against Iowa State, got the victory, which you thought was a momentum builder. And then you go in there against Baylor, and I think like the Baylor game, they could they very well could have won that game if you take away you know one or two mistakes. I mean, you can mm -hmm. talk about the inter, uh, one of the interceptions or one of the penalties, or even one of the plays like one of the plays that Baylor scores on. I mean, you've got you know two linebackers filling the same gap. Running back runs right through a gap freely, untouched, mm -hmm. and so I mean. It's the mistakes like, you know, you know, like I'll say this, there were too many, too many open holes. I mean, Baylor was, was killing our, our defensive line Saturday. Uh, you know, linebackers had a rough game. I mean, I would burn the tape if I was them. But I definitely get the feeling that, I mean, this is a group they're willing to improve. They're willing to listen. Um, but it's just a matter of, I mean, how, how do they adjust to doing what's asked of them? Because like I said, there's a lot more they're being asked to do. And I think the biggest thing, even like with Brent Venables is that the thing that he's trying to get through to his players right now, or from, from, from this particular game is they got beat physically. I mean, Baylor just whooped them all up front in the secondary. And I, I mean, Baylor yeah. does that, but like yeah. they just got their, they got their manhood taken on Saturday. D-Mac, you've been in the, uh, in, in the room for, with the team that's, you know, come off a loss Maybe not in this type of situation, but what you've obviously played under under Venables when he was there at Oklahoma. They're five and four. You've got three games left to try and get this thing done, get this team to a bowl game. You have talked about how important this bowl game is. Well, what do they need to do to get their head right to where they can close out this season and not let the foot off the gas, not let players check out keep everybody engaged what's got to happen uh, to make this thing go how they want it to go you know it's interesting b because it's uh <clears throat> you know you look at it from two ends of the spectrum and on one end you're like we got to keep them all engaged um you know we got to keep uh, a positive demeanor we got to keep the seniors in this position, the, the up the underclassmen in this position, the very the puppies, the red shirts in that position. But there's the other side of it, and it's like you know, I hear a lot of people having the conversation around: is the defense too complicated? And then there's a lot of conversation around: 
you know, whatever he did in Clemson was because he had the best players in America at Clemson. Essentially creating an excuse to saying that we may not necessarily get those kind of players here. And, you know, that 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 frame of reference or that thought process leans towards people saying simplify and or, uh, you know, create a, a a passageway for some guys to kind of just do what they do well. And it's kind of like in the education world. When I was a teacher, Barry, you know, I, I would always kind of pay attention to my 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 uh, my constituents, the people, my peers. And it was interesting that most teachers teach to the average. Because if you teach to the average, uh, classroom management is not a big issue. You don't have a lot of kids who feel like they can, you know, uh, engage or, or do well or, or be successful. And so what happens is teachers teach to the 82 to the 78 percent. And what happens? Most of the kids get an 82 to 78 percent and then they go on to the next grade. But then you never have kids that are state school ready or university ready or Ivy school, Ivy League ready. Right. You know, they can't go to a, a UC Berkeley or a Stanford or, or a school like that because you've taught to the kind of more to the mean, the average. I say, screw that. Screw that philosophy, not screw the people, but screw that mindset. And the people who keep saying he needs to simplify and stick to one front. No, he needs to teach the guys that are going to be here long term and they need to take their lumps. And get prepared to go into an offseason with a full slate. But I'm listening to, to Jalen and what he's saying about the guys. And I do believe these guys haven't given up. I don't think the locker room is going to ride. I think there are some guys who probably would love to run out of Dodge. The, the, unfortunately, there aren't too many first or second round draft picks on the team. So it's not like they can just run to the league like some teams who had some really good talent who could leave. We don't have a ton of those guys on this on this team. Mm. Unfortunately, Barry, most of these guys. They need to stop with the excuses. It takes time to learn things. It takes time to unlearn bad habits. It takes more time to unlearn bad habits than it does to, you know, learn to do things the right way. But there's also a certain level of self-accountability that comes with being a university first, uh, excuse me, a D1 caliber athlete. I owe you. I don't want to hear week 10 about how hard it is to learn. Duh. It, hurt, it hurts. It's hard. It's It's hard. Guess what? Alabama's guys, Georgia's guys, Tennessee's guys, Michigan's guys, they're dealing with owies and hurtsies and, and, and having to figure it out. The difference is they can persevere. The difference is there's, 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 there's obviously tangible differences and comfortability with, with scheme and, and years in the program and stability with coaches who've been there a longer period of time. But I, I got to tell you, Hype ain't been at Tennessee forever. Hype didn't have a number one recruiting class. Hype had a ton of turnover. And you know what he did? He stayed the course. And so uh, wrapping that whole thought up in a bow, I do not want to see Coach, Coach V get to a position where we're always in a 30 if that's not what the, the multiple aspect of his defense requires. I don't want to see Coach V say, uh, you know, these guys deserve to start because they've been players, you know, whatever, since the 1970s. Nah, man, if you ain't cutting it, we got to give somebody else an opportunity who has the ability and, and, and the, and the uh, opportunity to take us to the next level because this is billion-dollar business. So when I, when I think about my time, and and being in those locker rooms, Barry, I was scared to lose my job. Here's the answer. I was scared. 
that if I didn't do my job, someone was going to get my reps. That is what kept me accountable over and beyond the team, the culture, the love, the school. All those things matter. But selfishly, I wanted to play and coach made it clear there was an expectation you needed to reach to play. And I knew I better meet that expectation or I'm not going to play because I work my I work too damn hard. Football is hard. And if you don't play. I'm just telling you, it's twice as hard because you don't get that platform. So I'm looking at these guys and I'm flat out saying, okay, listen, the conference is out, right? You know, eight and eight and eight and four, or I guess eight and four is possible, but nine and three, 10 win season, that's all out. We can't have a 10 win season, including a bowl game. These need to be the most competitive. By the way, competitive doesn't mean kill each other in practice. It might be mental. But these need to be the most competitive three weeks they have all year. They need to define who the guys are that want to do it when everything is in uh, peaches and cream. They need to understand who are their hard-nosed guys that are going to be in the right gap. Jalen, I saw it live. Pisses me off. (laughs) You know what's funny? When I look at it, I I, want to curse Stutzman's out. But you know what? You guys know that's probably a 50% chance that Stuntsman does his job correctly and that Canik just doesn't do the crossfire into the other gap because he looks like he's doing a crossfire into the A gap and what it should, what it could, because I don't know, this is speculation. I don't know, but I'm watching it. I'm like, what the hell is Danny doing? But there's like, ah, there is the aspect of in football when pre-snap a backer flashes across the face of a center to the play side A gap. The other backer is supposed to flash to the backside a gap. And that's the, the hole, of course, that's wide open. So it's, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know whose fault it is. What we do know is we need to find 11 guys who, damn it, we don't have to make that excuse. Who are the 11 that would do, excuse, excuse my French, but who's going to do their fucking job? We still don't know, Barry, Jalen. We don't know which 11 can just do their job. It's problematic. If I'm Coach V... That's what I'm solving for. Mm. That's what I'm solving. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not simplifying. I'm not watering down. I'm not coddling. If if 17 dudes want to portal out because they mama and they daddy and, and I don't feel good and this and that, then you know what I'm saying? With all due respect, that's your opportunity. In 2022, you have that option. Hopefully you get picked up. So first of all, the last point you just made, BV even said it. I, I, I want to say it was after. It might have actually been after the Texas game, too, when he did his TV or his radio show. He said, like, you know, you can cry and moan and, and you know, say all you want. I mean, I'll help you leave if you don't like it. And BV is 100%. Now, obviously, DMAC, you've been around him more than I have, and I've been around him a couple times. But he's definitely that kind of coach that's like, you know, if you don't like it, get better. Or if you if you have a problem with it, get better. Now, here's the issue with that. Like, and I saw you that you mentioned, and you make a great point when you talk about, you know, uh, you know, this guy's not doing his job, or the guy behind you is going to come replace him. But the problem with that is, I just don't think they have the dudes on defense. Oh, we right don't now. have quality depth, Jalen. Jalen, we're gonna we're gonna speak to that too. Quality oh, yeah. depth isn't there for sure. Yeah, not yet because, I mean, at Alabama, I mean, you can have a linebacker having a terrible game. Nick Saban can chew him out. Say, if you're not doing your job, I got this five-star kid here on the bench who can go in here and do it for me, and they can get that done. But if David Aguebu or Danny Stutzman isn't doing his job, Jaron Canick's going to have to come in. He's still learning how to play linebacker. Even Brent even said that himself. Uh, you know, 
Aguebu's not getting the job done. They got to take a red, sh burn a red shirt off of Kip Lewis or something like that. You don't really have a true threat really anywhere on that, that roster defensively where you can say, if you're not doing your job, I'm going to put this guy in and let him get some, get some reps. You don't really have that on the D-line. You don't really have that in the secondary because there are definitely a few guys in that area that aren't cutting it. But you don't really have a true threat. I mean, you can talk about, say, maybe Justin Broyles isn't doing well one game. And you got to put Key Lawrence in that spot. Well, Key Lawrence is going to come in, and he's going to struggle too. So you don't really have that depth built yet. Now, I do agree, though. Like When people ask me, like, what what's the issue right now, it's hard for me to answer that because I can't continue to say, well, they're still learning the system. I mean, it's week 10. If you don't know where to line up in week 10, that's I can't blame that on Ted Roof. You know, people want to fire Ted Roof, but I can't blame that on the coaching staff if a guy's not knowing where to line up, doesn't know what his key is, doesn't know what he's supposed to be in at a certain down and distance in week 10. I mean, you got three games left in the season, four including the bowl game, if, you, if you're lucky enough to make it. So you don't have – I mean, there's really – Nothing else I can point to and say, yeah, that's the issue right there. Well, let me let me let me respond to that. You're right. However, at a place like Oklahoma, you have your senior class. And I said this uh, the other day. That senior class, those upperclassmen. They're going to be known as the first guys to have a losing season or a non-winning season or potentially a non-bowl eligible season or a laughing stock season, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a lot of things working against the program's ability to reach our peak, our ceiling. But the dude's not locker room. That's your class, man. Like, like the starters, the 22 starters, you know, Dylan Gabriel, you were the starting quarterback of the team that that, you know. You guys went six and six or you guys went seven and five or, you know, hopefully we go eight and four. But like that's that's your squad, man. You got to own that. There's a part of pride that comes with saying we can't just expect to be KU and Iowa State. We know there's a deficiency of talent where even the, their top guys can't compete with our guys. At a certain point, there becomes a certain level of your own intestinal fortitude. And Ted Roof, Coach Venables, Jerry Schmidt. I wasn't playing against A&M saying I got to win for Schmidt. I wasn't playing against K-State in Manhattan saying I got to win for Bob Stoops. When, when, when the yeah. shit hit the fan and we had those very difficult moments where we had to figure it out, A&M in College Station, I'm looking at the brother on the side of me to my left and the side of me to my right and the defense who's holding it down. And I'm like, yo. We got to figure this out because no one's coming to save us. So it's not so much about David Aguebu, you know what I'm saying, is going to sit the bench. It's about when are you going to man up and own your spot, especially since no one can take it. And by the way, with all due respect to Kanek, it seems to me like uh, David Aguebu is also still learning how to be a linebacker. But I digress. So thinking about that scenario in itself, right, it's, 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 it's like I get, I, get, I get perturbed when people talk about the coaches. Like – Coach V didn't just forget how to coach. He didn't just Thanks. forget how to create a scheme. Yeah. He didn't just forget how to motivate guys. He didn't just forget. He didn't just forget how to recruit. By the way, Sooner Nation, flip season and, and our advantage is coming really soon. Just know this isn't a Lincoln Riley regime where we lose a bunch of guys and then we stick our tail between our legs. Uh-uh. Our coaches is it, we got plan B's, solid players on deck. But back to the point of the players, 
The players have to play ball. It's why they're on a scholarship. It's why they have the opportunity. They have NIL. They are in positions to have an opportunity to play pro ball, get a free education. It's on you. And I get so sick and tired of hearing everybody make all these excuses. Hey, man, at the end of the day, you're not going to like to hear it. But sometimes in the sports, some people aren't good. And one way to measure that is your numbers, is your win-loss record. Is the way you look when this hits the fan. When it hits the fan, you got to own how you guys respond. And I'm thankful. Hey, Barry and, and Jalen, let me just say this. I used to be not scared, but like, you don't know what it feels like to be in those moments. And you're like, are we going to lose the A&M? Like, 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 yo, is K-State going to seize all the momentum? You know what I'm saying? Are we, do we even deserve to be on the field with, K, with, with, with Florida State? We felt those feelings. But you got me messed up if you think we was going to punk out, cower out and say, uh, I'm going to just hit the wrong gap and not even try. Never, never. You'll never see that on film. And that's a reflection of your leadership. That's what the leaders on the field. That's what that reflects. It reflects are your seniors and your upperclassmen going to punk out or say, guy, we got to figure this thing out. Because I promise you this, Coach V would just do a 30 if they kicked ass in the 30. Where people are saying they need to simplify. If those guys in a 40 were 20 points a game better and got consistent pressure because the D ends at house side leverage and, and the backers knew their gaps because it was just a single gap assignment. There were no, there were no double gap assignments. Guess what Coach V would do? Whatever uh, uh, technique would get them the dub. So it's like, it ain't like coaches like, oh my God, I need to guess. He has guys that he's trying to figure out where it is and it's going to get them to take and play with more malice, play with more reckless abandon. Just haven't found it yet. Maybe we need new kids. Yeah, you made a great point when you said Coach V didn't forget how to coach. I, I literally was recording a video the other day for my Instagram, and I didn't end up posting it. But the point I was going to make was that Brett Venables did not forget after a, a, an eight-year streak of dominance at Clemson on the defensive side of the ball because they did struggle for two years. So the eight-year streak of dominance, dominance he didn't just forget all that in a matter in a matter of months, because even Clemson last season didn't have the best season. They I think they finished ten and three or something like that. They started off horribly last year, but I I want to say they still ended up with a top five total defense, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, you you don't just forget. And I've been making that point about coaches for the last few years. Like you don't just all that stuff doesn't just go out the window when you get a new job. Well, the hundred percent. And here's here's what we don't want to say, or what when what it really comes down to is the I don't want to say character because I don't think it's bad human beings. It's not unethical or immoral human beings, but it requires relationship and knowing what you're looking for. The, you go through this when you're hiring someone. You go through this anytime you're you are evaluating what someone can be for you. You have to look deeper than just what are their skills. When the, when the chips are down and there is pressure, how does this person respond in, in the midst of anxiety? Well, when, when there's fire, when the furnace is hot, how are they going to perform? Are they going to wither? Are they going to care? There's some people who, when things get difficult, they shut it down and they say, you know what? It's, it's too much. And that is where the, the recruiting process and bringing in new blood is 
is of the utmost priority and where you at DMAC, as you said, you have to find those guys now who are on the team. And at this point, with what we've seen this year, there's a large chunk that if if the other ones don't have it, you're, you'd probably be better served going to get another guy from, you know, name whatever school out of the portal. Uh, at this point, there's probably going to be more value there. At least in that case, you can teach them your culture. They don't, old habits are so hard to break. And when you have three, four, five years in some cases of not just how we do things on the field, not just seeing what a guy is doing, what when the, the game starts until the game ends, but throughout the week, the, the other, you know, 20, three hours of the day, right? What are they doing then? And and that starts with with coaches being able to identify guys at the very start of the process. And when you don't have leadership on a team, when you don't have individuals at the very, very top who care, right? And this is where I don't think it takes a rocket scientist or, or, or some just, you know, psych professor to be able to look at the team and go, okay, Billy Bowman probably cares a little bit about his preparation, right? It doesn't take someone who's, you know, you don't need to have million years in the league or or played college ball to be able to see who probably is someone who cares about what they're doing and wants to do their absolute best versus just getting by. And maybe in the previous regime, there was a system built where guys could just get by. They got on That's the ship. Exactly. There you there you go. So in, in this game, I want to get a little bit into the X's and O's of what OU is going to going to face. You've got a team that has run hot and cold, right? They've played teams close until late in the game, talking about West Virginia. They got a quarterback who we thought was going to be more when he was at Georgia. Ended up getting the spot took by uh, Stetson Bennett, who's turned out to be an absolute stud. Uh, regardless of what anybody says, he is more impressive than people give him credit for. Maybe the credit's coming now, but Daniels does have the ability to get get on a streak. He's, he, I would say, he's kind of a quintessential streaky quarterback. When when he is on, he can deliver. He can find guys. The running game is about the same. They've run hot and cold all season. You know, they put thirty one up on TCU. Played them somewhat close you know that depending on watching the game um, maybe it didn't feel quite like that but against Iowa State it was close until the fourth quarter and then uh, Iowa State was able to pull away so this team is not going to face a quarterback who absolutely is inept it's not going to be a situation where uh, JT can't deliver the ball but I think the big issue is going to be the run game. Does a guy like C.J. Donaldson, is, is he able to go in this game against a West Virginia offensive line that should not be better than what Oklahoma is putting on the defensive front? Uh, Jalen and as DMAC as well. Is the defensive line going to have a chance to, to maybe right some of the wrongs, look a little cleaner, look a little crisper in this one? Or is it going to be another hold on for dear life? Bro, go ahead and touch on it first. <clears throat> well, they'll have to uh, because I think really that's that's the main place that 
West Virginia can beat you is on the ground. And, uh, you know, they've got a running back that they were without last week, uh, Tony Mathis. But uh, he was their guy. And C.J. Donaldson, they were be- they were without both last week at Iowa State. And their run game took a big hit. I mean, I think they only rushed for like 76 yards the entire game or something like that. Yeah. But coming in as a team, I mean, you know, they've got a head coach that's without question on the hot seat. Uh, and this game, you know, I mean, they dropped this game. He probably ends up going out of the door. But I don't know if – I don't know much about Neil Brown to know if this is like, okay, West Virginia is going to rally around him and play for their coach or if this is just like, okay, we're ready to get this guy out of the door. But they can be shown around. And, uh, I mean, Iowa State was able to beat this team. And, like, I, for West Virginia defensively, we know Iowa State's offense wasn't that good. And Iowa State beat them – putting up almost 400 yards and they ran the ball extremely well. So offensively for Oklahoma, I don't have too much, too much to worry about, but defensively. Yeah. I mean, defensive lines, they got to have a day. Linebackers have got to have a day. This has to be a week for Stutzman and Aguebu where, I mean, they just come out firing. Like, you know, it's, it's not going to be your typical West Virginia trip where you travel up. It's a rock. It's a hostile environment. I mean, it's, it's 11 o'clock kickoff. So, you know, people could just be logging it the entire day. But, um, I mean, Oklahoma has a defense that they're last in the conference in run defense. They've given up 200 rushing yards a game. So, I mean, if I'm West Virginia, yeah, I'm, I'm grounding and pounding. I'm, I'm RTDB all day. I mean, I'm, I'm running the ball down Oklahoma's throat the entire game. And for OU, if you can't adjust to that, then you've got some issues because, Based off of what happened last week, it seems like the biggest issues were just not fitting correctly. And you get all that stuff fixed this week, you'll be just fine. Um, now, I don't know exactly what was up with Tony Mathis, but he, like I said, he's set to return this week. So, uh, you know, they'll have that that one-two punch of him and Donaldson going. So, I mean, bottom line is if you don't let those, you don't let that run game get hot, you'll be fine. Because I think the thing with West Virginia is, And by the way, just a little stat, their run game, West Virginia's run game has combined for 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns. So they can can do some things with the ball. But anyway, uh, West Virginia is a team, I mean, if if they start slow, you get them off the field maybe on the first drive, you you put some points on the board first when you're Oklahoma, you can pile on that. And it it has a chance to be, I mean, you know, a, a comfortable win, but I've said that before and been completely wrong. So... We'll just see what happens, but I, I, West Virginia really just shows me a lot more in the ground game that gives me things to worry about. Uh, um, Jalen said it perfectly. A couple things come to mind. When we play um, West V in Morgantown, it's always a close game. Um, you know, when we uh, are ahead in a game, we, we, we typically win. When we are not ahead in the game, we have not shown we can come back. There's, there's no comeback. We don't have any evidence thus far this season, except for maybe a, th- a three to zero uh, deficit right before the half. And then we score right before the half against Kent State. We have not overcome any game outside of that all season to come back and win. They've got a one to two punch. Donaldson and Harrison are, 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 by the way, they're probably fringe NFL guys. Mm-hmm. These aren't like just little engine that could. These are players. And I watched Baylor. Barry, here's my fear. Texas, Texas, they did uh, window dressing, action across, 
jet sweep behind the quarterback. Our guys do not have eye discipline. And because we don't, people are running the wrong direction. So it's a very simple way to get us out of our fits. So I anticipate West V running a lot of RPO off of jet sweep action, running a lot of reverse action off of their inside and outside zone or wide zone, whatever you want to call it. I anticipate them on every third and medium potentially running the ball with an expectation they're going to run on fourth and short or fourth and two. I think on fourth and three or less, they're probably going to go for it which means our guys can't feel good about just trying to get three and outs. We've got to settle for four and outs. It's kind of like, I, I think it's even Baylor. I feel like Baylor had like, we stopped them on third down like four times, but they went for it on fourth down and got it every time. I, I don't know the exact stat. I, I was looking at that earlier. I was like, my goodness, even when we stop teams on third, it's generally because it's third and medium They're They know they're going for it on fourth. So they go get three, four, five more yards. And then on fourth and one and fourth or two, they get the first down. So, I, you know, I, I referenced this a bit um, in the post game of last week. I'm interested to see if Coach V, because this is something we did in 99, and it helped when we were having a lot of uh, issues and, and with run fits and, and really just stopping the run is a double legal. I'm interested to see if Coach V put essentially putting an extra man in the box and, and forcing us to play a little bit more matchup man. And essentially take having an extra overload to the play side or having a backside additional overhang to make sure we have an extra guy for the gap on the backside of the play or an overlie to the play side of the play. I'm interested to see because I, I watched the Baylor game and it was like, man, it was interesting that more often than not, we didn't just come up and 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 pre-snap say there's too many men in the box for you guys to run you need to pass we stayed on the fringes right on the edges where we we they felt comfortable knowing four yards was basically given if they could push our line and our backers didn't feel correctly which they inconsistently did it at best so i, I want to see what, what coach v's philosophy is this week because i'll tell you what 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 baylor did baylor overloaded the box and Baylor said, beat us over the top. It's why we had so many attempts at deep passes and a couple of them we hit, a couple of them we miss. They're saying we're going to we're going to we're going to hope that Dylan Gabriel misses because he's consistently done it on film on his deep shots. Again, if he just underthrows two yards, we get a lot more P.I.s, but that's a whole nother deal. Um, but we're going to take away Gray's ability to be the centerpiece. And Gray still played a decent, a good game. He played a good game. I'm, I'm super proud of what the kid's done in progression. But on defense, we need to manipulate play calling. If we stay on the fringe and seven in the box and two highs, and we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, like uh, trick the quarterback and to know who's robbing and who's sitting and, and who's bailing, it's going to be problems. We need to go ahead and put that extra man in the box and let them identify him early, so they either check out to a pass. Or, you know, uh, do so, try to do something else. Because if they can run the ball, Barry, mark my words, mm. if they can run the ball, play action is going to beat us at least once or twice. At least. They've got a receiver, kid's name. They've got a guy who can take the lid off the defense. And he's not necessarily a burner. But th when they go action, he's who they go to. And and I got trust in our DBs. Our DBs, are, our, our corners are solid. But, man, it's, it's not solid. like yeah, yeah, no, no. But I think it's because teams are saying, screw pass the ball. <laughs> why, why, why attempt to pass when we don't have to? I think teams are saying, I'm just 
you know, Texas, I'm just going to run the ball. Kansas, now Kansas kind of kind of kind of got us on both ends, but Baylor made it very clear. We're not going to throw the ball until they make us. And they, as Jalen so eloquently said, they ran the damn ball down our throats. Just a quick point to what you said about um, uh, using motion and stuff like that. That's exactly what killed those linebackers against Baylor because you could kind of tell with Danny Stutzman in a few moments where Baylor, Baylor's, you know, their motion in the H-backs or tight ends or whatever, they've got a lot of movement, and he just looks lost. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm West Virginia, that's exactly what I'm doing, and I'm definitely pounding it. And, like, it's pretty interesting what you said about, you know, the honest truth is, I mean, you're playing an OUD, that state knows you're going for it on fourth and short, and nine times out of ten, you're going to pass, you're going to run the ball. Because, like, I, I vividly remember being in the stadium on Saturday, being on the east side of the stadium, I think it was Baylor's last drive where they put the game to, where they put the game to rest, and um, it was it actually might have been before that fourth down or something like that. It was something that was going on, and uh, we had already scored on offense. And I'm I'm thinking of the scenario in my head where we can go down and take the lead, and so I said to myself, "Well, it's third down." You can get a stop. By the way, the stadium was loud. I mean, the stadium, it, it, it was rocking on that last drive. And I said, okay, you you get a stop here. Get them the fourth down. You might be okay. But knowing Dave Aranda, knowing the kind of coach he is, they're going to go for it and they're going to put the game away. And that's exactly what they did. They went for it. And sometimes on their own they just make it too easy. Yeah. yeah. You guys remember that? They went for it on fourth down on their own 28. I feel like it was fourth and two, like fourth and a yard and and, and three quarters. No respect. Yeah. And that's been the thing. That's been yeah. the thing for the last couple of years, even not even just this year, but like you've seen it from Baylor. You've seen it from Iowa State, especially like these teams in the Big 12 are not scared to take a gamble on Oklahoma because they know it's not hard to do. Matt Campbell does it all the time. Well, especially now, I mean, when you don't have an offense that is able to connect consistently and they showed that last year even with Caleb the offense was not near as effective as it had been in previous years so they're not only playing the probabilities game with what they're going to do to the defense and then just if the yardage is right and you know you have a play and then can move guys around enough to get one to two yards you're also not necessarily concerned about six on the other side if you don't get it so so it ends up being a, a an issue where the numbers not only say go for it on fourth down but they say absolutely go for it every single time in that scenario on fourth down so this game potential to be interesting you know they it, i there's a, a feeling that it could go the way that jalen has said where it could be a pile-on situation where OU's able to you know, get up a couple scores, not necessarily put the thing away, but have a comfortable lead, much like they did in Iowa State for, for a good bit of the game. Or it becomes a, a deal where you're in the fourth quarter and you're up by three and West Virginia has a chance to go for it on fourth down, go score, tie the game. Who are one to two players on defense and on offense, Jalen, who are going to have to play absolutely outstanding games 
in order for this to be a, a sooner victory and, and or even win comfortably? Well, what has to happen? Which two guys really need to stand out? This is either side of the ball, right? Either side. Let's go for it. Okay. So offensively, I would say I would I would probably go with I mean, I feel like you got to get Marvin Mims back. You got to get him shaking back. And he had a moment Agreed. last week with that touchdown. But I read a stat somewhere that said he's only had like two games this year where he's caught the ball four times or more. That's unacceptable because he clearly should be your WR1 this year. And like the thing I love about like Jeff Levy is because remember this time last year, Marvin Mims was unheard of. I mean, he was a ghost. They weren't getting him the ball. And I'm not saying it was his fault. They just weren't getting him the ball last year. And Jeff Levy's straight up saying, like, I don't care if he dropped however many passes against Iowa State. I'm still keep feeding him. He tries to let that happen last week. It worked to an extent. But this week, you've got to get him going. Like, I think you'll have an opportunity to get him um, on some shot plays. Um, you know, I think I don't – I think, yeah, I would say it's Mims or – if I'm sticking with offense, I'd probably go in the Eric Gray direction. He's playing exceptional football this year. But, yeah, I'm going to roll with Mims offensively. Defensively, I think I would have to go with – give me a Danny Stutzman because he's been the – I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it all over Twitter, but he's been like the hottest topic this week because of something he said on – podcast recently that upset teddy layman and it's been a whole thing so um aside from that and the game that he had last week he has to redeem himself this week so uh i think it's going to be key for him to have a big game uh, he's got to tackle well he's got he's got to read well i mean he's just got to be a lot better um so yeah give me give me stutzman and mims to have a resurgence this week how about you dmac yeah um, I'm not signing up for the guys that I want. This isn't redeem team time right now. This is like who guys are putting it, you know what I'm saying? Making it happen time. Sign me up for uh, Farouk. The kid has earned the right to get the ball. And by the way, I agree with Jay uh, on, they got to, they got to get Mims the ball. Like that's a duh. You know what I mean? Like you can't even, uh, you can't even act like Mims is somebody who isn't a game breaker for us. He's consistently done it for three years. So, but I, I believe we need to find more dudes and Farouk has the ability to be one of those dudes. So I, I want to see Farouk be a, an integral part of the game plan. It still feels to me like he's a, an accessory, right? There are, you know, it's not enough. They scheme some, some, some end around some wildcat for him because he's really good with the ball in his hands. But I feel like there's opportunities for him in space. If he can do stuff like that against, you know, um, you know, the the actual defense and backers and, and, and safeties coming downhill, I'd like to see him catch a slant and be one on one against a corner and only have to be the safety. I'd like to see him, you know, catch an in cut and be running away from coverage and seeing what happens uh, for him. And I, I just think we need another guy to go along with Mims because Mims is the guy everybody's scheming. It's very clear as day uh, to hear that. Uh, the other guy is, is is your favorite guy. He's been incognito, incognito since uh, he made that little uh, subtweet about uh, the Mackey Award. You remember that? <laughs> I remember. I got to get my man. We got to get my man Willis back involved, man. He's yeah. a mismatch. He's a team leader. I feel like he's kind of 
taking a step back, which he needs to be taking two steps forward. And, and I think he is a guy who has the merit and, and the skins on the wall to do it. And I'd like to see him defensively. We, we, we just need the front seven to play sound football. There's not one player. Though there's not one guy that's going to make a difference if all of a sudden they the, the light bulb comes on. We need those guys to just be sound. They don't need to be great. They don't need to be exceptional. They don't need to be all American. We just need them to be in the right position. We just need them to play aggressive. We just need them to act like they care. I know they do care. I, I agree with what Jalen says about this is a team of guys who there's not a lot of cancer per se. But remember, we talked about there's two types of cancer. There's very active, radical cancer. That's really bad cancer. But then there's that cancer that kind of just hangs hangs out and hides behind your colon. And you really don't find it until it's stage four. And, and really all it is, is a, it's a weak mindset. That's cancer too. And it just seems like there's a lot of weak mindsetted dudes. I know that's not a real word, weak mindsetted, but I like it. Weak mindsetted dudes who, I can't even call them dudes, guys, fellows, we'll call them fellows, weak mindsetted fellows, good old fellows over there who just need to, they need to, they need to, you know, have a, a come to Jesus meeting or, you know, a situation where get upset and get a panel. No, don't get a penalty. We're, we're terrible when we get penalty. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's uh, a bad idea. Catch that. Scratch that. Yeah, say 2017. Oh my God. How about 73's hold and 94's penalty? Oh, those two plays absolutely kill us. But something needs to happen. A light bulb needs to come on. And as a unit, I'm looking for the defense to just play sound. Just play sound. If we play sound, by the way, we play sound football, we win by 14 comfortably. My problem is we're so helter-skelter, I don't even know if that's possible. Mm. So well, I think – oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just real quick uh, to your point about, like, you know, the, the team chemistry and them and all that. I will tell you this. I mean, they're they're in a lot better shape now than they were a year ago because there was a lot of turmoil going on. And, you know, thankfully it's not a situation where players are going at players or – you know, it's definitely not a situation where players are going at coaches and, you know, they're tuning them out. It's nothing like that. It's just the fact that they just got to play better. Well, and Concur. honestly, I'm going to go with eight. I think eight needs to play an efficient game. I think Dylan Gabriel needs to go out there and play in the games that they've lost. That there's not obviously had the turnovers this past week, but they're there just wasn't the same efficiency and, and flow and movement of the offense that there needed to be that there was in the wins. Like, I think it just comes down to that. He's not hitting the deep shots as accurately. Um, we, we know the intermediate game is something that he's got to work on stuff going across the field. Um, and defensively, Damien, you said the front seven, I'm going to go with the two ends, you know, 14, 40, 32, basically everybody out there who who lines up on the edge, there has got to be some pressure coming off of that side. I mean, they have been not only absent, I mean, even in the Iowa State game, the, their presence was, was more felt, and there were some stretches, and I know there was a stretch of ball where 14 had, had some good plays against Baylor, but do it consistently. 
If that is your motor when you are going, that means you have it. So what is in you or not in you that's allowing you to do that or not do that every single play or at least more plays than when you don't? That there was, I would probably say there was 10 to 12 plays in that game where 14 got after it. Where, where he was trying to wreak havoc. He was aggressive off the ball. He was aggressive with his hands. He stayed low. He, he fought. But then there's other plays where you've said it, and they go said it last year, guys are just okay with getting blocked. And they're okay with somebody else will make the play. And I was... Oh, my gosh. So if, if, if that's the case, you are not going to win these football games down the stretch. So ends have to play well and eight needs to play in just the final three games. Dylan Gabriel is going to have to play really, really good football. Not that he's played bad football, but as we all know, it it can be a little bit better. And I think he can do it. Jalen score. What are you thinking for this one, man? Up in Morgantown, 11 a.m. FS1. What's the score of this bad boy? I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with a, a, a 30. Give me, give me 34-21, Oklahoma. Mm. I think West Virginia, West Virginia is going to have a chance to put points on the board. I think, uh, I know I said if they start slow, you can get them, you can get them down. But I think they're going to end up drawing first blood. They're going to give us a challenge. And Who's going to draw first blood? West B's going to draw first blood? West Virginia is. Ooh, I think that's not good. Out. I think they're going to come out and, and they're going to – because, listen, I mean, look, I'm trying to keep the faith on this defense, but it's hard. <laughs> so I love so you, bro. I, I really have, like, a strong sense that tells me West Virginia is going to come out. They're going to make it look like a game. And I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be like Nebraska. Like, I thought the entire offseason Nebraska was going to be a game – Nebraska come out, they strike first, Oklahoma gets on the board, and then from that point, Oklahoma just starts rolling. I think that could end, it could end up being like that. Not saying West Virginia is anywhere close to Nebraska, but they're also not a very good team either. So you'll have a shot to, you know, okay, maybe they get you first, you you get back, and then you have a chance to pile on it. So I think it goes that direction. Uh, I'm not going to say Oklahoma's going to win comfortably because I've been wrong when I've said that, but um, – I do think they get the victory, though. I think they put the game away in the fourth quarter. D-Mac, what you thinking? I got to ask you a question first, bro. What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're about to pick a loss. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try something different. I'm going to put this out there like this, just so people see where I'm headed with this. I'm going to try something different. I'm going to pick my first L on the season. And I know they're three and six and, 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 you know, we have no business losing to them, but guys just here to tell you, I think they score first. Like Jalen says, I think we sputter initially and then we get some, we get some momentum and we start to come back. Um, I think down the stretch, we don't make the plays. And I think primarily it's on defense. And I think it puts us in a position where the next two weeks, there's a level of urgency at, uh, at, in Norman that we haven't seen in a very, very, very long time. And I also am trying to psych myself out and say, let's see if I pick 
one way if things will go the other way. Maybe I, I'll I have the Lee Corso effect, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe the Lee Corso effect will come into play here. Uh, I'm going to pick a loss, Oklahoma, 34-37. Ooh, man. I'm going close to that. And I had this one before you brought that up. I'm going to go 42-40 overtime. Defense still has issues. It becomes a two-point conversion fest for a couple OTs. 42-40 is my final score. Will we get to see all of Lebby's two-point plays? If that game goes to overtime, Norman might burn up in flames. If they lose, they're gonna really burn up if oh, because and that see that's been my thing too. Like when we lost to Baylor, I wasn't even mad about the result. I was just mad at the fact that I knew it was about to be pandemonium on Twitter, especially <laughs> on my Instagram, because my comments blew up after that game. So that's been my thing. Like I like I feel very confident in saying that they can win these last three games and they very well can. But you lose one more, it's gonna be absolute. I don't know. I can't even describe it. I mean, that's just been my biggest like obstacle is just the reaction that comes with it more so than where the program is headed. Because again, I, like I, I'm still a believer. Like I, I'm not jumping off a train or anything. I think we're going to be fine going to the next year. And these last three games, to me, or last four games, I should say, including a bowl game, they're momentum builders for next year. Because I mean, in reality, you're returning more than half this team next year. So it's a chance to build momentum. It's a chance to get some things going. And um, yeah, so I mean, but but I don't I don't need another loss because <laughs> get a fall. Come out, Barry. You didn't say you're a winner, bro. You think you slick? You didn't. Uh, oh, going Oklahoma's going to win it. Oh, Oklahoma will get the W, but it is tight. It is tight. Oklahoma gets the victory, and it's very important because I know some stuff about the OSU game that somebody told me today that I will uh, let you guys know here in a second. Which could make that game even more interesting than uh, so they can't go out and lose this one. Jalen, tell people where to find you, man. Yep, you guys can find me on Twitter at um, did I change the name? I did not. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jalen Ross. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sooner Sports Daily and Jalen M. Ross, both of my Instagram accounts. Uh, Sooner Sports Daily, obviously, the news account where uh, we give the most active where we, we try to keep people in the loop on everything that's going on. Uh, we know we do question stickers every week. I've taken a break on those for obvious reasons, but uh, we try to do the question stuff every week just to, you know, give people, let people know where my brain's at as far as inside stuff and things like that. Uh, we've been kind of slow on the website, but we still have the website centersportsdaily.com. So in the meantime, you're able to find, you know, merchandise and all that stuff. Not a lot of articles going on because, you know, I, I'm just now getting a lot more time. So I'll have a chance to do that. Might do something special at the end of the year. Might try to get a player to do some type of exclusive with me. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but, yeah, in the meantime, you guys can just find me. Just find my name, Jalen Ross, on social media. You'll see it on any app, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Anything you can think of, I'm on there. I love it. Keep doing your thing, man. We're so glad to have you on. 
Guys, make sure to go leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to go follow the social media on Twitter. It's at Barry and Mac SHW. Damien's is at D underscore Mac 13. And I am at BYS Fitness at letter B W I S E Fitness. We will see you guys soon.